You're listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. We made an announcement last week that we needed banana boxes donated um, to make up our food boxes, and um, we're really happy to say that we got a couple really good leads on banana boxes, so I think we're good for right now. We got a bunch of those donated. Um, but if you feel like you want to help out financially, anything that goes in the pink trash can goes towards that. Another announcement is uh, our weekly Bible study schedule. For those of you that come here on Saturday nights and you experience this kind of a big experience, there's a lot of people involved, it's uh, more of a corporate event. Um, during the week, we have a lot of small groups and we have a lot of um, Bible studies. The first one is tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock right here, uh, Gravity Unplugged. We do a acoustic worship and interactive Bible study. It gives you the chance to ask questions. Um, it gives you the chance to share what's on your heart. And we really enjoy the dynamic that happens when people get to talk amongst each other about God's word. And so Sunday mornings, we do that here at 10 o'clock and everybody's invited. And then Monday nights, we have uh, Life's Healing Choices, um, which is another awesome Bible study that we're about halfway through. Um, Tuesdays, Wednesday nights, we have a ladies' Bible study. Thursdays, we have uh, men's Bible study in the mornings. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's all on our website. You'll see the announcements up here. And uh, if you just open your eyes, poof, you'll see what's happening and be able to find a way to plug in. So just want to make those things available to you. And uh, next Saturday night, we're having our Christmas service. The new divide's coming down from Washington. They've got a bunch of Christmas stuff they're going to do for us. So if you know anybody that likes the new divide, we all love them here. So they're going to be here next week with us. So it'll, it'll be a good time. All right. You guys okay? All right. Last week and the, and the week before, we started talking about this concept of freedom. We started talking about this idea of what happened when Jesus came and what he did on the cross. And we've been going through these canvases together, and we've been looking at a lot of the different words that we find on there. We've talked about some big words, justification. We've talked about repentance. We've talked about righteousness. We've talked about a lot of these words that you find on here. And tonight I want to focus in on one of the words that's up there. It's written in red and it's kind of hard to see, but it says the word Messiah. We're getting ready in a couple of weeks to celebrate Christmas together. You guys see it up there? Right in the middle. It's kind of like a word search for those of you that have bad eyes. Sorry. In a couple of weeks, we're getting ready to celebrate this thing called Christmas. Literally, God coming to us in the form of a little baby. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he pulled that one off. But God came to us. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. But an even more amazing thing about this, this event that happened that changed the world was the fact that there was people anticipating its coming for years and years and hundreds and hundreds of years. See, if we were to go back in time and we were to live amongst the people that were alive in Jesus' day, the Jewish teachings and the Jewish religious people had a belief about God and the Messiah. And the Messiah that they were anticipating coming literally meant 
the anointed one from God. He was the one that was going to come and bring God's plan into earth. And they had a lot of ideas about how this was going to take place. They had a lot of scripture that they would read that would support these beliefs and would give them a lot of ideas of what they thought it should look like when the Messiah showed up on the scene. They thought they had it figured out pretty well. They thought they knew where he was going to be born. They thought they knew what kind of a family heritage he was going to have. They thought they had it pretty well predicted. The only problem is when Jesus showed up on the scene, he didn't fit their mold. He didn't look right. The Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 1, the guy's writing this story, and he starts off the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, with this profound statement. He says, here begins the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. Here begins the good news or the gospel about Jesus, the Messiah. You see, when people had in their mind's eye the coming Messiah and what he was going to do, they thought it was going to be a government thing. They thought he was going to be coming and he was going to be fixing a corrupt and immoral government. They thought that he was going to be coming to bring about wars and then peace. There was all kinds of different things that they thought the Messiah was going to bring, and they thought they could predict it. And so when Jesus comes and we read through all of these stories in the Bible, it's really important that you and I understand that the reason that so many people didn't know what to do with the teachings of Jesus is because he didn't meet their expectations. He didn't look right. He didn't fit into the mold that in their minds they thought that he was supposed to fit into. Have you ever had expectations that weren't met? You ever dealt with that? Have you ever gone through something in your life where you thought you knew how it was supposed to turn out? How many of you have ever just gone through life and thought, how did I get here? My life wasn't supposed to be like this. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that just don't turn out the way that they, we think that they should. They just didn't meet our expectations. They just didn't go according to plan. And sometimes when we go to God, we have those same expectations on him and on the way that he's supposed to do things in our life. And when it doesn't pan out the way that we think it's supposed to be, we react in all kinds of different ways, don't we? Some of us throw a pity party, we pout, and then we go in the corner and we sulk. Some of us get angry and we cuss at God. Some of us, we just go, well, you know what, God, I'm not going to pay my money to you anymore. I'll show you. I mean, all kinds of things that we do that we think that we can do to respond to God. Some of us, some of us feel hurt. Some of us feel like God doesn't love us anymore. We have all kinds of stuff that we wrestle with as people when expectations aren't met. I want to share a story with you in the Bible that's found in the book of 2 Kings. It's a very familiar story of a life-changing event that happened to a guy. His name was Naaman. And in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, the story goes like this. 
The king of Aram had high admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Remember, we learned that that was an infectious skin disease. People couldn't be around you when they had that. Now, groups of Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. Listen to this. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king told him, and I will send a letter of introduction for you to carry to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out and he took his gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. No pressure, right? When the king of Israel read this, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal? Am I God that I can kill and give life? He's only trying to find an excuse to invade us again. But when Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, heard about the king's reaction, he sent this message to him and he said, why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. And he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of leprosy. But Naaman became angry and he stalked away. I thought he would surely come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and to call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the other rivers of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel put together? Why shouldn't I wash in them and then be healed? So Naaman turned and he went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him, and they said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says to simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River. He dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his flesh became as healthy as a young child's, and he was healed. He was healed. This guy's story is crazy, isn't it? I mean, to think about all the different twists and turns, to think about all the different roles and all the different characters that are playing a role in this story. You've got, you've got a man who is a commander of an army. So he's got authority. He's got power. He's one of these guys that, you know, when he tells you to do something, you listen. He's, he's one of these guys that you want to get behind and follow. And he's suffering from a debilitating, infectious disease that makes him have a secret, right? It's a bad secret. 
couldn't tell people what his deal was because if he did, they couldn't get near him. And so you got him, he's wrestling with himself about how am I going to deal with this? Then you've got this, this little maid girl who believes in God and says, sir, if you'll just go talk to the prophet, he'll cure you. I mean, you've got some amazing conversations happening in the midst of the story, right? This is better than Hollywood. This is like really could be a great movie. And so this guy listens to this girl and he goes to this king who happens to be not very friendly because remember, he's suspicious. He thinks they're going to try and invade me. So this is some kind of a ploy. And the king is like, what's he want? How am I supposed to heal this guy of, of this disease? I mean, it's, it plays out beautifully. And so the climactic part of the story is when the man finally goes through all of these steps. He finally gets enough courage. He finally humbles himself enough to listen to this little girl, to go to his enemy, the king. And he finally says, all right, here I am. What do I got to do? Please heal me. It took a lot for this guy to get there, didn't it? And the guy doesn't even come out to the door to talk to him. Now, what he tells him to do is interesting because if you know anything about the culture of where they live, the Jordan River is the equivalent of one of our drainage canals out here. It's muddy, nasty water. Think of the delta. Think of trying to go into water that you can't see through, water that is not, you know, clean. That's what he was told to go and dip himself in. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Now, I don't know why this happened this way. I'm not here to tell you some kind of a deep theological reason about the magical powers of the Jordan River or anything like that. I don't really know any of those things. All I know is that this is a guy that I can relate to because he was asked to do something that didn't meet his expectations at all. He needed something, didn't he? He was broken and he needed something and he thought in his mind, I know what I need. I know how to get better. Any of you guys ever thought that about yourself? You ever thought that about your addiction? I know how to get myself better. One of these days, I'll, I'll stop. You ever thought that about your marriage, your relationships, your lack of communication? I know what I need to say. I just, eh, I just don't feel like it right now. Yeah, we all do. We think we know what we need, but we don't have a freaking clue. And this guy comes to the man of God and he says, all right, here I am. I'm ready. Do your magic. And he says, no, go and dip yourself seven times in this dirty water. His expectations just went. That is not what I was expecting to hear. That is not what I was wanting to hear. And yet we read the story. The guy has a good friend in his life that says to him or a friend or two and says, look, man, don't be arrogant. Don't be full of pride. If he had asked you to go and climb some great mountain, if he had asked you to go and have a sword match with somebody, if he'd asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it like that. So why won't you listen to him when he tells you to do something simple? He had a good friend in his life, right? I'm so glad I've got good friends in my life that sometimes he's just slapped me upside the head, tell me what I need to hear. Most of the time it's my wife. She's not here tonight, so I give her the credit where the credit is due. He goes and he does it. He listens and he gets healed. End of story. It's awesome. Why are we talking about this guy and talking about Jesus the Messiah in the same sentence? How do these two things come together? 
You see, this guy almost missed his miracle because it just didn't look right, right? He almost missed his miracle, his life-changing moment because it didn't look right. And there were people in Jesus' day that listened to the teaching of Jesus, that saw him perform miracles, that did all of the things that they saw, and they couldn't open their heart to him because he didn't look right. There's an encounter in the book of Luke that I want to take you to for a minute. It's in Luke chapter 9, and it's a, it's a great example of the mindset that Jesus was dealing with coming to this culture and dealing with these people. And it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 18, one day as Jesus was alone praying, he came over to his disciples and he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and some say that you're one of the other ancient prophets that has risen from the dead. But then Jesus asked them, What about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah sent from God. The question here that Jesus was asking was more than a question about gossip and hearsay. He was not trying to find out, are people talking about me? Jesus was asking his disciples the same question that he is asking us tonight. Who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus to you tonight? For some of us, if we're honest and we sit here, he is somebody that we like to briefly come in contact with on a biweekly or monthly basis once in a while. And that's fine. That's where we're at. For some of us, he's an idea that somebody else told me about. And I've tried everything else in this world. I might as well try this idea. But for some of us, we've seen him. Our eyes have been opened. Our hearts have responded. And we have seen him as the gift of God that he is. And we can't leave. We can't walk away. We can't get enough. Because he has shown us that everything else in this world, it's empty. You taste it. And the flavor's gone. You bite into it and it instantly dissolves. It has no lasting value. It has no lasting meaning. He is it. And we've seen it. And we don't know what to do with ourselves now. We don't know how to respond. We don't know how to react. We're just like, God, are you, you've shown us the depths. You've shown us the answers to the questions that every heart longs to know. God, you've opened us to the truth about you. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he was not saying, what is the idea of the day about me? He was saying, do you see me? Because I'm the real deal. I'm the one that's going to save you. I'm the one that's going to give you life. I'm the one that's going to fill you. This last weekend, my wife and I, We took a road trip without the kids this time. Yes. A a girl that that, uh, we have had the pleasure of being in her life 
almost all of her childhood growing up. She, we call her our surrogate daughter. She's having her first baby down in Southern California tonight. And uh, Sean and they're at the hospital right now giving me the play-by-play. So if you see me grab my, my cell phone, I'm looking for a text message. But we went down there this weekend, and we were driving down the coast, Southern California. And there was this moment where we pulled around this curve, and we were driving through the Malibu Mountains and the coastline right there. I've never seen it before. And I was looking at the simplicity of it, and yet I was looking at the magnitude of it, at how easy it was to look at this and how awe-inspiring it was at the same time. It was, it was overwhelming to be driving through there just going, this place really exists, like, right down the road from us? This is crazy. This is better than Maui. This is, like, unbelievable, and we're just being awestruck. And then we pull around the corner of this mountain, and we pull around the corner, and we get onto the freeway, and all of a sudden, I'm in bumper-to-bumper traffic with three million other people all trying to get half a block down the road. And I'm going, what happened? How did we just go from that to this? And it was just a corner away. It was amazing to see how fast things could change when your eyes looked at something different, isn't it? As I was thinking about that, As we were having worship here tonight, I was thinking about the fact that when we see God, many of us can't see him because we're stuck in traffic. Because we're right around the corner, but we're stuck and we're looking at the wrong things and and our eyes are so fixated on what is temporary and what we think is going to give us what we need Those of us that are single think all I need is a relationship. Those of us that are married with kids just think all I need is my kids to get out of the house. Those of us that are without a job think I just need a job. Those of us that are, the list goes on and on and on of things that we look at that we try to think this is what I need. And the gift of God, Jesus, is right there available to us. The Messiah, God in flesh coming to us. He's right there for us. Do you see the gift of God, the simplicity, the beauty? Don't miss what God has for you because of unmet expectations in your life. Don't miss the beauty of the gift of God because of unmet expectations, because he doesn't look right, because he doesn't fit your mold, because he's not playing by your rules, because he's not doing it right. Don't miss him. Don't miss him. See, the fact is, the sad fact, the reality is, is that there are many of us in this room tonight who will walk past the gift of God time after time after time, and we'll never stop and look at it, see it for what it is, because we've got other things that keep us occupied. We've got other things in our life that'll keep us just busy enough and just satisfied enough that we never get to that point to where we have to come to that place, as Josh said tonight, that God is enough. That God is enough. Would you pray with me? God, tonight, 
let our heart's prayer be that you are enough. God, tonight, let our reaction, let our thought process, let our decisions be, God, you are enough. For God, when we have tasted, when we have seen you, when we have experienced you, nothing else even comes close. Nothing else can satisfy. And so, God, we say from our hearts tonight, you are enough for us. You are more than enough for us, God. You're everything that we have. You're everything that we need. And you're everything that we want. Amen. Tonight, when we dismiss here in just a minute, I just want to let you know, we'll turn some music on and drink some coffee together and hang out, but there's not a Saturday night that goes by that there's not people in here that need prayer and need to have a connection with God. And maybe you're not in a place yourself where you know how to get there. You're in the right place tonight if that's what you need. So as we transition here from this to a time of just hanging out and talking and listening to some music and getting to know each other, please know that everything that happens here on Saturday nights is for you to be able to connect with God. Many of us come in here Saturday nights and we connect through listening to music or through worshiping God or through listening to God's word or maybe even through just having a conversation with somebody. All of us are in a different place and on a different journey right now, and that's why you need to be able to know that no matter where you're at or what you're going through, God wants to connect with you tonight. So I say all that to tell you, don't leave without finding us. Don't leave without saying, would you pray with me? Don't leave if you're here without looking for somebody that needs that connection and is too afraid to ask. Don't leave without putting yourself in God's way and seeing what he will do with you tonight. So I hope to see you guys back here next week. Have a great week. God bless you. You've been listening to gravitychurch.com.